truth in his art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today I'm in conversation with the curator and department head for contemporary art at the Baltimore Museum of Art. Her recent exhibition projects include How Do We Know the World? Thaddeus Mosley, Forrest, Stephanie Sajuko, Vanishing Point, Overlay, and most recently, A Movement in Every Direction, Legacies of the Great Migration, which was co-organized with the Mississippi Museum of Art. Please welcome Jessica Bell Brown. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Rob. Thank you for, for coming on. I mean, we got the glasses going. This is I like it. It's simpatico. I love it. <laughs> um, so again, thank you for being on this podcast and taking the time. And before we get, you know, too deep and in, embedded into the, the 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 real conversation, I want to open it up with um, you know, something that either people find to be very challenging talking about themselves or very like, I love talking about myself. I'll tell you everything. So if you could open it up a little bit and tell us about like your story as it comes to art, curation, art history. Could you share a little bit with us? Sure. I um I'm from Macon, Georgia. That's where I grew up. And I have always lived with um, an appreciation for art. I think my my parents had, um, I think they sort of valued um, representation and seeing growing up with images that looked like us. So they were always um, some some sort of like print or drawing or um, usually kind of in the realm of like black romantic art, but nonetheless, like um, I think it really set the stage for an appreciation of the power of visual representation. Um, there was there's always been an affinity for um, and reverence for images. I think mm -hmm. not even just art, but just images. Family photos were um always kind of on full display in my parents' homes, in my grandparents' homes. It was just, you know, a part of everyday life. Every holiday we would go through photo albums and um look not only back at my childhood with my two sisters growing up, but my parents, their school photos, their family photos, my grandparents. So um I think in that sense, um, I've always kind of been attracted to finding beauty in the world and finding beauty in in our kind of stories. So when I got to college, I um, um, stumbled my way into an art history class and never really left. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for um, for walking us through that. And, and I think it's always um, interesting to kind of learn some of those those early experiences. Usually it's like, what is your first experience with art? And I think that that kind of pops back up, things that you were exposed to kind of pops back up and maybe what you pursue or maybe what you even like. So I like to really peel that onion back sometimes to get a sense of like, yeah, so why do you like this? Well, like I, I did a painting of, it, it looks like the low end theory from a tribe called quest mm -hmm. and it's in the studio and i was like why do i like this i was like oh right those are the colors right you know because i saw this when i was a kid and my parents always had this type of stuff and you know mm -hmm. in the house black nationalist pan-africanist kind of color yeah yes. all the things so let's um so pursuing that career in in art so let's let's talk about that a little bit and talk about curation like i I know very little. I hear a lot of people call themselves curators, and but you're actually a curator. So, 
so if you will, like, what does being a curator entail? What does like your day to day sort of look like? And I would imagine it varies, but what does your day to day sort of look like? Yeah, um, I think the most in the most sort of basic sense, a curator is a caretaker of objects. Um, traditionally in a museum context, although that has, of course, expanded. I think I take the word care, like not lightly, um, take it very seriously. And so that extends to, you know, as a contemporary curator, I'm not only caring for objects that enter the collection, I'm caring for the artists who made them in the communities that um, I think are also kind of represented by, by and within, um, you know, those objects being in the orbit of the museum in terms of our galleries, our exhibitions, um, and, you know, the, the various sort of programs and sort of outward facing um, um, communication and connection that happens as a result of that art making. Yeah. Um, the second part of your question, remind me, Rob. Oh, yeah, sorry. Uh, so the 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 day to day piece. Uh, so they look like every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only you had asked me that question uh a week ago <laughs> it varies it varies uh quite a bit sure. um let's see at any given point in time i may, might be in a in a different stage or phase of a project um yeah. at the bma um there are a few sort of buckets that drive our work um, as curators, because we're a demi-encyclopedic institution or in, in general, a, co a collecting institution. So we acquire artworks made by, um, by folks in the world, past and present. It means that we are actively, every sort of um, season, um, engaging in a process of re research and exploration, refinement, and um, sort of looking at things, going to galleries, going to other museum shows, going to artist studios, and um, finding objects of great significance that we feel um, could speak to our audiences and um, unpack new histories. Um, so there's there's that aspect of the the, the process, which is very exciting. <laughs> and then there's the administrative part of that process, which is um, really um, all logistics and yeah. <laughs> um, documentation and emailing back and forth and coordinating shipping and uh, getting letters out, blah, blah, blah. So that's one part of it. Um, there's also, as a curator, we are charged with making exhibitions. Um, sometimes those exhibitions are monographic and sometimes they're thematic. What I mean by monographic, it, um, usually we kind of focus on one subject or one um, person, one artist. If it's a thematic exhibition, it means that you're bringing many voices or at least more than one um, sort of voice into the mix or into the fold. Um, and that process, um, is, is not unlike the accessions process where you're um, going through a period of fact finding, you're talking to different artists, you're um, going to the library, you're going to the archives, probably um, you are um, going to different collectors' homes, looking at works by those artists that you're interested in that they have, yeah. um, you're hopping in and out of studios. Um, but then there re reaches a point where you have your idea, you put pen to paper, you make a proposal, 
and it goes through an internal process where you get all the stakeholders who have a who have a vested um, interest in the outcome a vested in interest in the outcome of of your project um, you learn together as a collectivity of of museum workers how to bring this project into the world um, and so most of i feel like a lot of curating is mostly project management it's mm -hmm. mostly the day-to-day -day details the administration the um hand holding the you know and all of that and then some there's a a, a small fraction of it is actually the glamorous ideation <laughs> traveling kind of stage um but it's so worth it when you look up in two years down the line and you're looking up at a project like a movement in every direction legacies of the great migration and you see um not only the tremendous um efforts of the brilliant artists that you brought into the fold but also the efforts of all of your colleagues and all of the communities that uphold um those efforts and coalesce them into something tangible for our audiences to see well thank you and mm -hmm. um i think it's i think that's a good point for us to uh not bury the lead any further so could you tell us about the the exhibition can you tell us about um a movement in every direction legacies of the great migration can you um share um some of the thoughts that went into that your vision you and you and ryan's um vision or inspiration for this exhibit of course see what i did there rob <laughs> It's like you've done an interview before <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um so um, you referred to Ryan, my my wonderful, wonderful co-curator and partner in imagination, um, Ryan Dennis, who is the chief curator and artistic director of the Center for Art and Public Exchange at the Mississippi Museum of Art. Um, Ryan and I co-curated this wonderful show um, about the continuum of impact of the, the Great Migration, which is um, for those of you who, who might not be as familiar, it is um, a period of about six decades from 1915 to 1970, where six million African-Americans um, left the South and fled for the Northeast, the Midwest, the West Coast, the Southwest, and even um, within the Southeastern region. Um, hence why we called our show A Movement in Every Direction. Yeah. So um, Ryan and I um, both started at, at our institutions, me, the BMA, and her, the MMA, um, within about four to six months of each other, yeah. and um, knew right away that we both were kind of conjured to imagine um, how we might approach this subject of migration from a contemporary lens, and how we might do so in a way that um, acknowledges the ways in which Baltimore and Jackson, Mississippi um, are entangled in the same um, historical arc, um, but just a different kind of um, with different nuances, right? Mm -hmm. Baltimore being, or excuse me, Jackson being um, one of the um, earliest places of departure for migrants and Baltimore being the one of the um, earliest um, places of arrival for new migrants. Um, so our cities, we, our museums are situated in cities that have been fundamentally transformed by um, this migration. So that's the kind of setting of the stage. 
Um, and then through the process of about um, maybe four to six months, Ryan and I started to talk about, okay, well, how, how do we inhabit this prompt to do a show about the legacy of the Great Migration? Um, what's important to us? Um, and what kinds of artists did we want in the mix? We knew that we wanted the exhibition to be intergenerational. Um, we felt like having a variety of voices in the mix um, who um, would would only sort of benefit the project in that it would un allow a kind of heteroglossia to, to unfold, um, kind of polyphonic, um, rhizomatic, multi-textured um, exhibition. Um, that's what we were after. We wanted folks who have different ways of working. Um, this exhibition is all about storytelling and history, but it's also contemporary. So um, that meant that the exhibition, we, we didn't need to sort of rehash what had been done prior with sure. exhibitions around this subject matter. Um, and we wanted artists who um, were thinking about questions around agency, self-determination, land, um, community, collectivity. In that sense, our um, project you know, the, the kind of parameters for our project really um, became quite clear, yeah. <laughs> like those, those, you know, and maybe not limitations, but rather like, wow, like how amazing would it be to bring these minds into this in, into this space and to say, go crazy, go wild, like do what you've always wanted to do, um, but maybe not have had have ne maybe it's maybe maybe that thing is something that you might not have had the resources to do or the time right. or or maybe even the kind of curatorial support okay. um and encouragement and acknowledgement so um and that that process even though i mean four to six months sounds like a long time but it's actually not when you think about um you know all of this was was happening in the with the backdrop of covid um right. there was a backdrop of um of grief, um, of uncertainty. Um, there was the great resignation happening at the same time too. There were a lot of things that were, that this country was facing um, that also kind of felt um, maybe not like, um, maybe not like a mirror to this period of the sort of early 20th century where folks were really kind of um, facing another global pandemic. Um, yeah. <laughs> in that case, the Spanish flu. Um, the, the, you know, continued rise of Jim Crow. Um, I mean, there were these sort of echoes, echoes between the period, like between the contemporary moment and the past. But in short, I think we were, we were trying to move as, as, as curators um, and as two Black women from the South um, whose families decided to remain rooted in the South, you know, we were interested in, in, in saying more, um, and and moving, um, moving in a way that allowed us to acknowledge um, the complexities of, of these histories, um, <clears throat> and to be respectful of the artists who I think exercised great trust and courageousness and bravery by sharing things that are are quite personal in their yeah. family stories. So as you're, you're talking about family, I think I'd be remiss not to ask this question. So family family lineage uh, seems to be a unifying theme here, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Do you have any family connections to the Great Migration? 
I do in that, you know, it's so funny. So I went to Northwestern for college and it wasn't until maybe the time that I became like a junior or senior that I learned that I had um, cousins in the 1930s who had, um, who were, who were um, based in Ohio, who had actually gone to Northwestern too. Um, and in that, in that sense, when my dad told me that, I'm like, that doesn't make sense. All of our family is, is in Georgia. Right. Um, and it is, you know, and, and that is relatively true in that both my mom's side of the family, my dad's side of the family, 90, about 90% of my family is, is still, is based in the South and um, um, has, has deep ties to Georgia. But there are a few family members that made their way northward or family members that got dispersed into the world vis-a-vis their um, military service um, and then made their way back um, back to the south my dad being you know like his his stepfather and my grandmother moved the family to north carolina and then to montana like these kind of places that (laughs) you just wouldn't think that there was a kind of or north carolina yes but montana like not as much (laughs) no yeah but um so as the project unfolded and as i think we were experiencing this moment of like deep reflection and quietude collectively as you know um it allowed for me to really think about the ways in which my own story intersects with this larger history that ryan and i were kind of narrating in the creation of um the public the publications for the book for the um exhibition and also in sort of interweaving through lines within and across the 12 artists um, in the show, whose names I just want to give a, a yeah, quick please. shout out now, because without <laughs> their, their brilliance, none of this would be possible. Akia Brion, Mark Radford, Zoe Charlton, Larry Cook, Torquasi Dyson, Theaster Gates Jr., Allison Janine Hamilton, Leslie Hewitt, Stephanie Jemison, Robert Pruitt, Jamia Richmond Edwards, and Carrie Mae Weems. Thank you. Yeah. Were, were there any surprises um, when you, you saw some of the work? Um, because, you know, 12, you know, 12 artists, different perspective, different, different skills, different approaches and all of that, that goes into it. And this, you know, this sounds like, and I would imagine all of the work that goes into this is huge. So what sort of surprises, if any, um, did you encounter when you saw the work in person? Mm-hmm. I think um, one of the biggest surprises that I that Ryan and I had was probably, I, I would I would say maybe Larry Cook's work. Um, there was a moment, we love Larry, shout out to Larry. Um, <laughs> incredible conceptual photographer, Howard University professor um, in the department, in the sort of fine arts department um, and comes from a background of um, thinking about uh, vernacular photography, carceral aesthetics, DC go-go kind of club culture and photography practices. Um, but for his proposal for great for our show, A Movement in Every Direction, he was interested in going to all the places where the Cook um, men and the family had traveled down south. Um, he had ties to Georgia and South Carolina across four generations, if not more. Um, and there was a moment in the project where he kind of just got really quiet and we were like reaching out to him like larry what's going on what are we doing um um and he was going through um a kind of transformation of his project and it it turned out um in the best of ways because he started to look more inward um even in in terms of like what he was 
what he had decided to photograph. Um, so he, he traveled down to Georgia and South Carolina, was learning more about his um, father's side of the family, interviewing family members, doing oral histories, and then um, would stop along the side of the road at various places, um, cotton fields, forests, bodies of water, and take these large format landscape photographs. But really these landscape photographs kind of come together to be this um, portrait of the arc of his family history. Um, there was a history of estrangement between fathers and sons in his family that through this project, he was able to unpack and ultimately come to a place of healing. And so his project, Let, Let My Testimony Sit Next to Yours, is all about um, taking these elements that might seem distant or historical or um, or even um, somewhat removed from signification mm -hmm. and creating a, a, a new map of knowledge or um, breaking cycles in his family history. Um, and when you see it, I won't give it all away, but when you when you go see the exhibition at the Baltimore Museum of Art, and you have until January 29th to do so. <laughs> like these plugs. Um, I think you will be um, taken aback and blown away by the power of stepping into one's sort of family history and telling your story, which is what I think Larry and all, you know, all of the other artists you know, have done so beautifully. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I got two more real questions. Um, and one, I, I want to ask, uh, I'm going to ask if you had to choose three adjectives to describe a movement in every direction, legacies of the great migration, which, um, would you choose? What are the three adjectives you choose? I would say the first adjective would be resplendent. I just think it is a show that demonstrates the, um, the ways in which Black folks in this country have had to always kind of reach for the light, even in the darkest of times and circumstances. And so that resiliency, that um, sense of um, being kind of held and carried and like um, that's, that sense of like bounty, yeah. I think is connected to, to the use of the word resplendent there. Because there's just so much to unpack and so much to 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 sit with but also to celebrate two other words i would say it's um resounding in that it's this show is stunning but it's also um just like the density of sound and it carries through the whole exhibition i mean there's there's elements of um of folk songs and gospel and um jazz improvisation and um, contemporary sort of so like mel melodic, you know, black melodic forms. It's just, it's, it's a sensorium in so many ways. Um, and that sound really does um, carry through and carry you um, through the exhibition. Yeah. Do you have another word that begins with an R? Because you got two so nope, far. I, I don't. was waiting. I was like, and, 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 and also, nope, I know uh, we're not doing that today, Rob. <laughs> also, I'll, I'll say the way you, you described that that last adjective made me think of 
immersive you know that's that's yeah. that's what i was kind of hearing there it's like you have this sort of soundscape and you it really sets that stage with the visuals with the sound and just hitting all of the potentially hitting multiple senses i don't know if you have a taste element there but multiple senses uh actually in fact we do uh the Astor gates's installation um the double wide is a celebration of the sight sounds smells and tastes of the south and there are um dozens of pickled jam pickled vegetables and hog maws and pig ears and jams and jellies that you know you'll you'll encounter when you see see the exhibition and his installation in particular which is magnetic yeah. um but i feel like the last adjective that i would use would be um maybe tender um and i say that because there will be you know, as you walk through this, the show, my hope is that you'll see things that feel familiar to you, um, whether it be the kind of sepia toned um, lusciousness of family photos, um, textiles that, you know, the sort of sense of the hands, things that are like handcrafted um, that you might find in, your, you know, your, your, you know, the elders in your families, you know, the, the kind of sense of heirloom objects um, some of which are actually, um, you know, have, have been passed on to um, the artists. I'm thinking in, in the case of Leslie Hewitt in particular, her grandmother's glass vessels, crystal vessels, which are the only things that she, one of very few things that she has remaining of, you know, from her grandmother, memory of her grandmother, those are actually um, installed, um, you know, on the floor of the, of, of, of the, um, of the exhibition, so you'll see those. So I want people to kind of walk away with this a sense of um, of deep tenderness and like a feeling of like kinship um, as as they move through the exhibition. I like how you answered that last part because you actually knocked out of my knocked out my last question, <laughs> my last real question. So, um, and as we as we wrap up these final moments here. I got to ask you some rapid fire questions. Okay. Can't get away from those. And then we'll do some shameless plugs re regarding the, you know, the show and all of that great stuff because um, people need to pull up. So uh, these these are ridiculous. They're funny, but they're ridiculous. So uh, there are 25, there's 25 hours now in a day. How do you spend the extra hour? Oh, rest. Full stop. I'm, I'm on my pillow because I do not sleep. It's a problem. It's a, it's a big problem. <laughs> as it as it relates to what because i think we're all a mix what you value more is it book smarts or street smarts book smarts because i feel like street smarts you can learn how to be street smart because you will make mistakes and learn from them but okay. yeah so i value book smarts Okay, you're you're the first that said in this. I've asked this question a lot. You're the first that said it. Okay, finally, we now have you know book smarts on the board. Let's let's do it. <laughs> this is the last last one for you, and because um, obviously, well read. I mean, I'm looking at words over here. I'm like resplendent. What's that? Uh, so, what is a quote that resonates with you? Just something that's top of mind that that resonates with you. Maybe you apply it to how you how you curate, maybe you apply it to like how you go through through life as a as a person here in the city. What's a quote that resonates with you? I think um, right now, all things in time, all things in time. I think we can we move so quickly and through life 
And sometimes we just need to take a step back and be patient and be in the moment. So that's where I'm at right now. Thank you. Thank you. That's that's great. It, it wasn't that hard. You got it. It was right there. Uh, so with that, I want to um, thank you for coming on to this podcast and uh, sharing a bit with me about, about your work, the exhibition. And um, for the listeners, if you will, can you, um, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the listeners uh, the details on the exhibition, uh, where to check out information, where to get tickets, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Absolutely. Thank you, Rob. It's been a pleasure. Um, I hope this won't be the last time that I get to come on to your podcast because it's been a delight. Um, you can see a movement in every direction, Legacies of the Great Migration at the Baltimore Museum of Art. It's it opened to the public October 30th. It will be up on view until January 29th. There will be incredible programs happening throughout the run of the exhibition. I encourage you to go to artbma.org to get all of the details and to reserve tickets to see our show. You can also publish the two, one of, uh, you can publish both, not one, not, <laughs> but two catalogs um, dedicated to the exhibition. Volume one is A Movement in Every Direction of Great Migration Critical Reader, which brings together all of the historical and archival um, research that Ryan and I put together in the um, sort of making and grounding of this exhibition. And volume two, A Movement in Every Direction, Legacies of the Great Migration, is um, our exhibition catalog. Both books are published by Yale University Press and are available at the BMA store online and at retailers worldwide. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Jessica Bell Brown from the Baltimore Museum of Art, the BMA, for coming on and chopping it up with me and sharing some of the work that went into a movement in every direction, legacies of the Great Migration. And um, for Jessica Bell Brown, I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it.